Episode 19 of Chronically Fully Sick, the little podcast that was a bit tired but definitely could. Uh, we are recording today on the stolen lands of the Aora and Kulin Nations. Sovereignty was never ceded and this was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Chronically Fully Sick. In the year 3000, humanity is no match for the cyclos, a greedy, manipulative <laughs> race on a quest for ultimate profit. Sounds like the Liberal Party, am I right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> led, oh. led by the seductive and powerful Joanna Nilsson, the cyclos are stripping Earth True. of its resources. Come on. Using the broken remnants of humanity as slaves, what is left of the human race has reverted to a primitive state, believing their invaders to be demons and technology to be evil. After humanity has all but given up hope of freeing themselves from alien oppression, a young man named Chloe Sargent decides to leave his desolate home high in the Rocky Mountains to discover the truth, whereupon he is captured and enslaved. It is then that he decides to fight back, leading his fellow man in one final struggle for freedom so that's wow. what this is about i don't know what that is i don't know what that is that's um battlefield earth babe oh my god i was like cycling through all of the like like sci-fi movies that have something to do with alien i was like total recall oh, no. like going through no i couldn't pick it oh well done i, well done. I, I would that. never disgrace total recall by reading it out on this podcast True. I did um, have um Waterworlds because if mm. you'll recall in Waterworlds, Kevin Costner recycles his own pee constantly as like yes. drinking water and you know, we do love that on this podcast. Yeah, I'm obsessed with Snowpiercer, not the TV show, the movie, where they find out that they've been eating cockroaches the whole time. Bugs? Ah. <laughs> what? I yeah. ate cockroaches and all sorts of, like, bugs in Vietnam and it rules. Yeah, but this is like they just smoosh the bugs together and make them eat blocks and that's what the poor people eat, uh. whereas all of the rich people are, like, eating, like, fancy little cakes and things. No, they had yeah. some sort anyway. of teppanyaki, I don't know, some kind of spice situation going on, and they give it to you in bags like popcorn. Oh, yeah, dope. It was great. Yeah. Sorry, anyway. Crunchy and delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just make this a podcast about eating bugs. Mm. That sounds great. Um, so, yes, uh, hi, welcome to Chronically Fully Sick, episode 19. Um, if you want to get updates on us and the Chronically Fully Sick podcast, you can do that on Twitter at Chronic Full Sick or Instagram, Chronically Fully Sick. Uh, you can get in touch with us via our website, chronicallyfullysick.com, and we also have a group by the same name on Facebook, which is filled with lovely spoonies who chat about all things chronic illness all the time. So, yes, hello, Joanna, how are you? I'm okay. Um, I've been really sick with normal person flu for about the last yeah. week and a half. Honestly, I've been... Getting in- normie sick is so frustrating as a spoonie, like getting muggle sick when you're just like, oh, great, uh, cool, something else on top of all of the pain and fatigue I feel on a daily basis. Well, You've been sick for what it feels like ages. Yeah, nearly two weeks, I think, actually. Fuck. Um, yeah, they went into a lockdown here and... Uh- oh, yeah, we're both in lockdown, yeah, yeah, by yeah, the way. yeah, yeah. Yeah, both Sydney and Melbourne are currently in um, various levels of lockdown. Mm. Um, I mean, we're lots we're of in stuff going on. Hectic lockdown, and you guys kind of should be the same level. Yeah, know. well, we're in a situation where there was 163 cases the other day because we're like we're not in full scale lockdown, and it's uh, it's a state government thing here in Australia, and our state government is uh, they were a bit too uh, slow to the punch, weren't they, Joanna? Yeah, that's putting yeah, it that old. It is putting it nicely. Mm, yeah, it's, very diplomatic. It's, um, it's not frustrating at all. No. <laughs> very diplomatic of me. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to keep my emotions pushed very far down because right now they are very much at the surface. So look, I made this maybe the first episode where I cry. Who knows? But hey, babe, you could go um, and do some shopping at like IKEA or Gucci or any mm. of the other places that are open. Hype sneakers. No shade to workers, yeah. by the way, but like you know. You could you could yep. just go do that. 
they've got heaps of luxury stores open still, whereas like, and also Ikea has been a hotspot like seven I different know. times now or something. And it's like, guys, just shut fucking Ikea. Like people can order online. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway. Go to Gucci and like yeah. sneeze into a handbag and then shut it again. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, so anyway, we're both in lockdown. Uh, Both of our emotions are very close to the surface right now. Mm. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode. Let's just say that. Mm. Let's just say that. Mm. So just Mm. to like date this episode horrifically, we just all watched in horror as a bunch of absolute fuckwits stormed through both of our cities yesterday, protesting Mm. their lack of freedom and uh, yeah. yeah, that's cool. The one in Sydney, some guy allegedly punched a horse, a police horse. So, um, yeah, there's a lot going <laughs> Stop on. Stop making animals um, be cops. Yeah, animals just shouldn't be cops. It's bad. But, yeah, no, they. there's a lot going on. And despite the fact that all of the protests I've ever been to in Sydney, invasion day rallies and even, like, when the lockout laws happened and that kind of stuff, uh, Sydney is, has every protest I've ever been to has always been the most peaceful of protests. The arrests were always minimal. There was nothing really dramatic about these protests and yeah I've seen people get tear gas pepper sprayed by police I've seen people get arrested for doing absolutely nothing and yet no one got situation, tear gas yesterday not that I'm no up one for got like, tear gas yesterday yeah. I remember one there was one um protest here in Sydney where they actually went down into the like basement of Central yeah, Station they, and tear gassed a bunch of protesters they that were like everyone down in there kind of thing and like yeah, yeah. and then tear gassed them mm. and it's like the protest was fully over and these people were just trying to get home and it was it was absolutely batshit. That was the Black um, Lives Matter one, as I recall, wasn't it? Was mm. it? I can't. I honestly can't remember. It's it, concept of time and things that I've experienced in my life have all gone out my brain yeah. permanently at the moment because my brain is just mm-hmm. it is a bowl of jelly that has just been mixed up back into liquid yeah so it's yeah i know Mm. it was a very sort of strong strong um analogy i believe i just don't understand how like there was no like dispersion tactics used by police i just don't understand the comparative situation between all of these peaceful protests i've been to and yet these guys are allowed to like riot and like punch police and all of that kind of stuff and just fuck all happens like it's just in absolutely oh Anyway, it's been a weekend, that's it's for sure. Because it's because the been police a weekend. and the protesters are one and the same, Chloe. I think we they all are. know that. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, it doesn't matter what side of the debate you're on, nothing can break your bond of being white. Am I right? Mm. That's uh, that's really, truly the situation, I think, here. Um, I think but, the yeah. solution to a lot of this unrest would perhaps be paying people to stay the fuck home yeah or even just on a very base level some government messaging that was like solid and forthright and understandable because i feel like if people had a stay-at-home coronavirus payment from the government they'd shut the fuck up a bit more that is very true it's absolutely true or just like you know universal basic income oh yeah um yeah but you know, we might be asking too much yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that happens, and um, I think the only other COVID update is really that uh, vaccinations are kind of open to people of all ages now, aren't they? If you want the uh... AstraZeneca, yes, yeah, I find it so... interesting that that government messaging and a plan and media actually coming together to encourage people to get vaccinated has only just happened now that Sydney the uh state with the liberal national party premier who also mm. the party that also runs the country if you're not australian um is experiencing yep. a covid outbreak and a lot of issues yeah. i find that very interesting yeah coming from adelaide i've noticed this my entire life things don't actually happen and change until they happen to sydney they're like oh this is this is a bit bad maybe we'll do we'll do mm. something like it's yeah it's very that like sydney is always the you know seems to be the catalyst some tiny amount of hardship and things change around the country suddenly Mm. um but yeah so it just means that with the vaccinations being open to all it just means that like vaccination hubs are a bit more dangerous for people with chronic illness who have compromised immune systems and you know host of other issues that we all know Mm -hmm. about so I i tweeted the other day that like now that all of the all of these hubs are open and everyone can get vaccinated which is great and everyone should get vaccinated um Seeing as, like, disabled people had so many issues trying to get vaccinated in the first place, maybe now they should start offering an at-home service mm. for disabled people that, or 
I personally still haven't been vaccinated. I have my vaccination appointment in two weeks and that was the first one I could get into. The first clinic that was accessible to me, that was the first time I could get in. Mm. You know how people were using all those links, the fake links? Not fake. It would like bypass the eligibility checker, say you're eligible and then you're able to book Really? In. Yeah. For the, for the non-disabled people who are listening to this, if you use one of those links that took you to a certain thing where you could just book straight in to get your vax... You were actually taking the place of someone who needed it more than you. So you should feel guilty about it. Um, but look, the more vaccinated people, the That's better. That's what it just I means think, that, man. I'm just like, just fucking yeah. get it. Just get it. Yeah. Whatever means It's necessary. just frustrating when it's like, I can't get to one of the massive vaccination hubs because they're, they're in like Homebush and all of these places mm. that like, you essentially need a car to get mm. to. I can't, I can only go to the one that's accessible to me, which is fairly close to me in walking distance. And I'm like, oh guys, I've had to wait so long and like, I just want to get vaccinated so I can like, you know, feel like I'm slightly safer when I go to the shops. <laughs> like it's... I don't. Ugh, anyway. Mm. Oh, anyway, I'm fucking done. Anyway, end of episode. No. Mm. We got to see you on the telly this week, Chloe. Yes. That was such a weird fucking experience. So I'm not sure if... Did I speak about it on a previous episode? Yeah, you said you were going to um, be on the telly. Yeah, so basically I filmed uh, an episode for SBS's uh, panel show, um, Insight, and it's kind of like a panel show where they talk to like a bunch of different people about their experiences on a specific topic. So I was on their episode about being bisexual, Mm. and um, I spoke about how there's um, biphobia in the LGBTQIA community as well as like from straight people, and like they you know, told this story about going on a date with a girl, which was hilarious because it resulted in that being the lead asset that they kind of went with to market the show, and also... Uh, news.com.au did a story about Those it, which just looks like wilds. Oh my, yeah, they took like <laughs> oh my god, they took um uh, screenshots of the video, and so like it just these screenshots are just absolutely horrendous, and I couldn't. I laughed for I reckon a full day, like I just could not stop. You laughing. just sent me like and- voice messages of you practically screaming. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I just, yeah, I was all like just fully like do it. You know that laughter where you just actually fucking can't make noise anymore? Oh, yeah. Like you've all, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, it was quite a wild ride. I, um, got halfway through the show airing, I had to plug my phone into charge because the notifications that were coming to my, through my phone were so many that my phone nearly died. Its battery nearly died. Mm-hmm. It was a very surreal experience. I think I, I would be on TV again, but not for a while. I need a rest. Mm. I need to go to bed for like 10,000 years. <laughs> you look like a sexy gay alien Star Trek commander, like kind of sitting up the back in that big seat. Yes, you sent me that message. But I don't know any Star Trek terms, but like, yeah, commanding like whatever their fucking front deck is like from the back because I was sitting at the back. Yeah, I um, was wearing like this really cute gray dress that was really high neck and stuff. So yeah, felt cute. Got heaps of old uh, white ladies messaging me to tell me that my makeup looked garish, which was hilarious. Oh my God, are you serious? Yeah, fully looking me up on Facebook and just sending me a message being like, your makeup looks hideous. And I'm like, thanks, Sharon. Like, oh my <laughs> I know, these people, they've got too much time. Lockdown's making it mm. worse. Yeah, it was wild. It was great. Yeah. So funny. Mm-hmm, wild. But anyway, let's get back to talking about some chronic illness stuff instead of me on the telly. So um, in the past uh, little bit, we got a message from one of our uh, beloved listeners, Grace, and it was a really, really great message that was something that we hadn't brought up on the podcast before and both Joey and I were like, oh my gosh, it is actually bizarre that we hadn't, you know? Um, So uh, Grace sent us a message saying, hey, I was wondering if you'd talked much about the Disability Royal Commission. I feel like you've got an amazing platform to share that they're there to make submissions to and the various forms this can take. I don't think it's apparent to many many of us just how many of our negative experiences and interactions with individuals, healthcare, education, workplaces actually constitute very valid and valuable submissions under the scope of that commission. It's one of those I wish people knew things for me, so I thought I'd reach out. From Grace. Thank you, Grace, you angel darling. You are so, 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 so 110% Yep, correct. they've got a point. Yep. So, if you don't know, and for international listeners, a Royal Commission is, it's an investigation that's independent of government into a matter of what they deem great importance. So, Royal Commissions have pretty broad powers that can hold, like, public hearings, call witnesses, compel evidence, and make recommendations to the government about what should change, right? So, the Disability Royal Commission's been going on for what, you know, for ages. Mm. It's been going on from before uh, COVID-19. 
So yeah. that should give you guys a um, so that feels like ten million years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it was established in April 2019 um, in response to community concern about widespread reports of violence against, neglect, abuse, exploitation of people with disability. Oh, and also I am sort of paraphrasing stuff from the website. So I, they do use the term people with disability a lot. So apologies if you prefer people first language. These incidents may have happened like recently or a long, long time ago. So the things that they're focusing on, right, are preventing and better protecting people with disability from experiencing violence, abuse, neglect and exploitation. Achieving best practice in reporting, investigating and responding to violence and all the other things I mentioned uh, and promoting a more inclusive society that supports people with disability to be independent and live free from violence, abuse, neglect and exploitation. Right. So it covers like this, these things happening in schools, workplaces, jails, detention centres, secure disability and mental health facilities, group homes, boarding houses, family homes, hospitals or day programs. So it's it's really, really widespread. Like it's really like a very wide scope. And They want to hear from yeah. people all across the board um, and mm. they're gathering information through a variety of me- um, methods languages mm-hmm. including indigenous languages and auslan mm-hmm. they've got interpreters available for anyone that wants to submit any information and they can do that through a variety of ways it's one of those things it's it's a really sort of long spanning thing so it started in 2019 and they're delivering a final report to the government by the like september 2023 mm-hmm. right so it's it is one of those things that we've got quite a while to look at but it's probably best to if you do have something to talk about to get it in as soon as possible and if it is one of those things that the way that you submit they've got a variety of different ways that you can submit but if you do get to a stage where like you've submitted they can keep you anonymous for most of it is that right but if it gets up to a certain point with submitting the report maybe it has to be yeah so um, they can keep you anonymous at your request um, until the report comes out in 2023 and there's also counseling services um, available throughout this entire process you can make a submission any way you feel comfortable telephone letter email video in a private meeting or through the website itself so if you've been through some bullshit seen some bullshit or know about some bullshit they really want to hear from you yeah they're encouraging not only disabled people um, but also family friends and the people that support them to share their experiences yeah like Joey said counseling is available and I think they've got a variety of different types of counseling as well so yeah it is one of those things that I will share a story thinking that it's one of those things that has just sort of happened to me and it's a bit weird and like it's horrible but you know but then I'll I'll talk about it and a bunch of people will all be like oh my god that happened to me too Mm. so I think it is one of those things that even though we unfortunately uh, a lot of the time with disability it is a sort of alienating thing and you know I, I know especially with both of us like it tends to mean that we stay home more and we feel sometimes alienated and that kind of thing. But yeah, it is one of those things that it is better to speak up if you you have gone through some bullshit or know someone that has or something like that because, you know, whether it's with the health industry or whether it was in hospital or whether it was, you know, at work and you went through some kind of discrimination because of disability, like all of these things, you know that someone else has gone through. And if you do get to a stage that, you make the report, but they ask you to go to one of those hearings or something like that and you don't want to, you can you can stop the process at any time. Yeah, you so, don't have to give evidence or anything like that. Yeah. So, look, it is one of those things. Remember that just because, you know, something happened to you doesn't mean that you're the only one that has gone through it. So sometimes it is best to share. But always remember that there is uh, support there in general, but also your com- your community is here to support you as well, like, and Facebook groups like our group and I'm sure there's many 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 others just remember your community is here to support you through this kind of stuff as well so oh, and I, we'll put I, all of I the know for real from the group that there are people in there that have experienced this stuff like yeah really totally distressing. and like if you look at the if you look at the numbers um, of submissions that they've received for the Disability um, Royal Commission already, there is 2,754 submissions received, 990, now 9,977 phone inquiries, wow. 13 issue papers, 605 responses to issue papers, and 470 private sessions held. Wow. So that is an enormous number. Also, a lot of us tend to sort of push down the importance of horrible things that happen to us as disabled and chronically ill people and 
even though terms like violence and neglect and that kind of stuff, they carry so much weight with those words. There's no hierarchy of terribleness and discrimination towards marginalized groups like people with disability. If something's happened to you, no matter how big or small you see it as, you it is good to share it because it's better that it doesn't happen to other people as well. So we're here for you. Your community is here for you. And if you need the details for the Royal Commission submission page and that kind of thing, we'll put it in the show notes for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Community. Woo! Downer episode. I'm really sorry. We have no, uh, you know, serotonin left in our brains. Bad stuff. I is fully happening. have. Yeah, I fully feel like my last bubble of serotonin was just so long ago that <laughs> I don't know where it went. But I, I miss her. Mm. I miss her. <laughs> it's my last little poop. Off it pops. Maybe I should just um, get back yeah. into smoking DMT again. I don't know. I'm I'm vaping weed as we speak, so Aww. you know that's the only thing keeping keeping me going. Good girl. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that? It was no. no <laughs> Fuck. I tried to vape into the. <laughs> anyway, I'm here cool. just drinking. Um, I won't say the brand cough syrup, which no. is full of di- dihydrocodeine. It's it's a delicious, delicious it's our treat. Little, it's our new little drink. <laughs> little drink, yeah. We mix it with our soda water. It's just like having a vodka and soda, but better. I told you yeah. about it. What Yum. one was that yesterday? And you just like, immediately ran out of the house to find it. Yeah, fully. She messaged me about it and was like, oh, get this. And I'm just like, okay. And I fully just like ran to my nearest chemist. Like, I think I messaged you, what, 15 minutes yeah, later? I was, like, I, I got like, it. Do you live in a chemist? <laughs> Basically. Convenience. <laughs> convenience she loves convenience above mm. all else mm. yeah um anyway. speaking of things we love people we love mm-hmm. britney spears let's fucking talk about britney let's spears talk about we need it. to talk about because it. we need to talk about her when we released it well, okay when we were recording our last episode that was like about a month ago or something who knows who knows when that ten, was 10 years ten ago 10 years ago yeah the um yeah. her comments to the court had had just sort of come out um, mm-hmm. and we didn't kind of have time to discuss it, but it sort of remained in the news really. Um, and yeah. just cause it we, happened. We were like, oh, we'll record another episode, another maybe little mini episode if, about it. And then both of us, and then both of us got sick in succession to each other. And it was like, no, that's never going to happen. Oh no, I haven't been so, able yeah. to like talk without coughing for the last week. And yeah. All. Yeah. And I haven't been able to talk without crying. So, you know, it's a miracle that we're recording this <laughs> one at all. Exhibit A. But yeah, so like we sort of said, if Britney's still in the news, then we will talk about sort of the Free Britney movement and the whole sort of relation that like, because so many disabled people when the conservatorship stuff came up were like, oh, disabled people have been going through this for generations. Like this is something that is so classic. And I think that surprised a lot of people because so many people when they read about the Britney conservatorship, they had no idea what a conservatorship was. They didn't realize that someone's whole rights and autonomy can just be taken away like that you well know? and so I think it was Chloe or they or they realized that they thought that it couldn't happen to a rich white woman perhaps well that's yeah that is very true but mm. yeah it's I know a lot of people who were like they did not even know about guardianship like because they're guardianships in Australia I think they're called yeah that's what um called but yeah yeah, but conservatorships and guardianships, they were like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, bitch, they're mm. a thing. Like, that's a thing. And they happen to disabled people all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. So, yes, all right, hit me. Let's go. Free Britney. Woo! She's getting it at the moment, though. I was just on her Instagram before, and she's just wailing around with no top on, with those titties out. Put it on yeah. the American flag. Yes, that would. I'd, I'd love that as the American Titney flag. Spears. If that was the American flag. I got a message the other day saying that my free Britney shirt that I ordered that helps go towards her campaign or something oh like this it is coming. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, anyway, I just yes. want to put a content warning for reproductive rights, sterilization, yes. mentions of abortion and sexual assaults. Mm-hmm. So you might want to skip forward a little um, bit. Also mentions of uh, eugenics. Yes. And yeah, just uh, like 51 50s kind of stuff that, 
I'm not sure what that's called in Australia, but yeah, just um, guardianship and conservatorship kind of stuff as well because I know that affects people mm, it's awful. across the board. So basically yeah. Brittany said a bunch of stuff when she addressed the court around mm. the conditions of her conservatorship, which she was placed under in about 2007 after mm. reportedly, amongst other things, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So that's yeah. legal arrangements that give a third-party control over someone else. They can be imposed only by a court and only a court can terminate them and as you said they're called guardianships in Australia yes so as part of what she said she said I want to be able to get married and have a baby I was told right now that in the conservatorship I'm not able to get married or have a baby I have an IUD inside of me right now so I don't get pregnant I wanted to take the IUD out so I can start trying to have another baby but this so-called team won't let me go to the doctor to take it out because they don't want me to have any more children that when I read about all of the IUD stuff, it made me feel physically ill. Yeah, it made me. It's so common, and it's so. It's just horrific. It's one thing to take care of someone when they're not in a good mental state and make sure that they've got enough support and someone else can do their everyday things for them when they can't. To tell them when and where they can't have a baby, that is oh god, makes me feel Yikes. sick. Physically ill. Yep. Continue. Um, Attorney Leah Goodridge said Spears' situation is emblematic of a bigger issue with American society. This story about regulation, misogyny, and who we deem able-bodied is deeply rooted in American history, she said, and here in Australia as well, I will note. Oh, yeah. Like the sort of colonial input stuff on Australia of who is able-bodied enough to have babies and who's good enough to have babies as well is all very... This is such a deeply problematic historical issue that has been going on for like hundreds of years and continues today i will encourage people to look into that and we will put some links up but obviously we don't Mm -hmm. have time to go into like the whole history of it but i will note as well that this is a problem that has significantly and historically impacted black women yes absolutely yes yes and I, I, there are an enormous amount of black women who have done incredible sort of historical threads on Twitter and that sort of stuff about the history of eugenics that has affected black women um, throughout like a, a variety of different countries. So uh, I'll try and find those threads as well and put them in okay. there. Okay. So Twitter user Sarah Lerner, like many others, made the connection between disability and reproductive rights. Britney Spears being held under a 13-year conservatorship and being forced to keep her IUD in despite the fact that she wants another child is where disability rights and reproductive rights intertwine. So preventing mentally ill and other disabled people from having children is not new. As we said before, Mm. eugenics, which is the practice of controlling Mm. people's reproduction to reduce so-called undesirable population traits, has a long and dark history. In 1927, the Supreme Court case Buck v. Bell ruled that it was constitutional for the unfit, which includes mentally ill and intellectually disabled people, to be forcibly sterilised by the government for the protection and health of the state. The case focused on Carrie Buck, a Virginia woman with a family history of mental disability living in an institution where she had been placed by her foster parents after becoming pregnant at 17 and whether the state had the right to forcibly sterilise her. The court ruled against Buck. Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. wrote, three generations of imbeciles are enough. Oh, looking at the words forcibly sterilised mm. is just so fucking horrific when you think about things like abortion and hysterectomies and that kind of stuff they are such invasive procedures like it just oh god it makes me like shiver i hate it so much i think this was being done to people with alcoholism and sex workers and stuff up until the 70s in some countries oh yeah cool doesn't surprise And the targeted campaign against disabled people raged on with the blessing of the state. According to data compiled by Lutz Calver, an associate professor of sociology at the University of Vermont, between 1924 and 1979, about 7,325 people were sterilised in Virginia. Nearly all of them were classified as mentally ill or mentally deficient, and 62% of those sterilised were women. For decades across the country, black women have been disproportionately sterilised against their will, 
role, as we were saying. While welfare and social safety nets have been used to coerce or force people, usually marginalized people, into sterilization. So this um, Buck v. Bell case has never been expressly overturned, although the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 has given disabled people some protections. Still, the ADA is frequently disregarded and twisted, and the United States continues to allegedly forcibly sterilize marginalized people. So, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's no way Hectic. that we can kind of possibly know how much this is still occurring, where it's occurring. Sometimes like female genital mutilation to use um binary language there. Um occurs overseas as well. People are taken yeah. overseas to have these procedures done, so it's really hard to totally. keep track of where and when they happen. Totally. And I think things like this, this as well, also, um, they also rely on people's silence, rely on the fact that people will stay silent when it happens to keep getting away with it kind of mm. thing. Isla Burden in Elite Daily says, if this violation happens to wealthy white international pop stars who have the benefit of publicity, money and support, imagine what poor racialized disabled people are forced to endure. Yeah. Oh, well... Yeah, we don't have to imagine. We don't have to imagine that, <laughs> Chloe, because it's still yeah. happening. Hooray. Still happens. Yay. As well as being um, a fucking yeah. human rights disgrace on the international stage in regards to indigenous incarceration, our offshore refugee concentration camps, our shithole country is still cool with the forced sterilization of people with disability, particularly women and girls with disability and people with intersex variations. Not a term I love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ongoing practice that remains legal and sanctioned by governments in Australia. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the intersex things are particularly big thing that was I've learned a lot about in the in the past sort of five or six years. It's it is absolutely quite amazing to me how these things are just implemented in our culture and our medical systems. Mm. And it's just kind of like, oh, that's just how it is. Like it just it really does blow my mind. I cannot get over it. It's just so cruel and so inhumane. It just makes no the sense. The UN have been telling us to stop doing this for some time as I understand it Mm. and we're like oh yeah no we're we're right yeah it's like the UN is like hey all these things that you're doing they're they're inhumane and we're like no no we're cool look what China's doing or something yeah Uh. yeah exactly (laughs) yeah that's that's deflection is their main their main key here yeah they love to deflect so as I said it doesn't have any laws to prohibit this um and it falls under the UN definition of torture Mm -hmm. as do our offshore prisons and surely does yep Absolutely. The practice we love torture. The practice yeah, of apparently. forced sterilization is itself part of a broader pattern of the denial of human and reproductive rights of Australian disabled women and girls, which also includes systematic exclusion from appropriate reproductive health care, sexual health screening, forced contraception, and or limited contraceptive choices. A focus mm-hmm. on menstrual suppression. So a lot of this will be like she's getting older, we can't deal with her having her period. Oh, okay. Yep. yep, gotcha, gotcha. Poorly managed pregnancy and birth, selective or coerced abortion and the denial of rights mm. to parenting. So these practices yep. are framed within traditional societal attitudes that continue to characterise disability as a personal tragedy, a burden and or a matter for medical management and rehabilitation and includes themes mm-hmm. such as eugenics, genetics, for the good of the state, community yeah. or family, incapacity for parenthood, in incapacity to develop and evolve and discourses around best interest. But that's how eugenics is framed as well, for the greater good all the time, for the greater good of yeah. the human race. Yeah, for the state, for the like for your fa- like for your family, for your community. Like it's it's better that you're um it's better that you are unable to have children because otherwise it's it's bad enough that you exist in the world and it like for you to have a child that could have your genetics and the way that you act and live your life, the fact that there could be another one of you is inherently bad so we'll just cut off that option to you and make sure that you cannot ever reproduce that's horrific the that is horrific i saw a woman on tiktok that had a um visible disability um and Mm. a child with the same disability and the comments Mm -hmm. were just appalling horrific Horrific. i think that's why things like this 
have the forced sterilization and all of that kind of stuff. That's why it's still so prevalent is because when you do see people, uh, disabled people with children and that kind of stuff, that shit happens. Like the way that society reacts to disability and passing down of like genetics that couldn't like could mean that a child has a, the same disability absolutely disgusting mm. like people even though they might not think that they do people weirdly agree with eugenics and it's just it horrifies me mm. but yeah it's that's i think that's why it's been so prevalent for so long in western society um because people kind of agree and that's Hard. That's hard. Well, yeah, we won't change these laws anyway. for whatever reason. Yeah. That, another. Yeah. Anyway, we did. We did warn you that this episode was going to be a huge. Bummer, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so uh. just lastly, another rationale focuses on sexual abuse. Um, mm. So, ninety percent of women with an intellectual disability are sexually assaulted during their lives, and sixty percent are before the age of eighteen. Sterilization yeah. is seen as a method of stopping unwanted pregnancies as well as preventing sexual abuse. So much wrong with mm. this. Such chronic victim blaming and it, and it wouldn't actually work because not only does this reasoning lead to a situation when the girls are being subjected to surgery as sexual assaults against them can't be prevented, but as it actually allows young women to be more of a target of sexual abuse because there's no evidence of pregnancy, like... Mm-hmm. It just yep. boggles my mind. Um, it's mind-boggling. So, yeah, so Brit- the whole sort of free Britney movement has been going on for a, a, an unbelievable <laughs> amount of time, but it's only been in this sort of last little, like, maybe year that people have started taking it quite seriously in the mainstream. Um, and so it has brought up all of these sort of major issues, you know, with the reproductive rights and sterilisation. And But it's also just in terms of made people question about whether there needs to be stricter laws around guardianships and conservatorships and what the classifications need to be to 5150 per someone, which is when uh, in the US that's when someone is deemed uh, mentally unfit and gets taken by the police and housed in an institution, I I believe, Mm. for a variable amount of time. Um, The Free Britney thing is really interesting because, like we said, it is one of those things where people don't like to think about issues that affect disabled people until it's right in their face. So the fact that this is now happening to a white, privileged, rich pop star and she's uh, being forced to have an IUD. She's uh, being held at basically in a house by herself, unable to really do or say or say anything or go anywhere. She doesn't have access to her money. She doesn't have access to any of her rights. She doesn't have access to anything. And all of a sudden it has made people question all of these things because if it can happen to her, then it can happen to absolutely anyone. And it means that it's happening disproportionately to people of marginalised groups. So... It is quite phenomenal to see this sort of happen in real time with the court case and that kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, free Britney mm. and um, free free the rest of us. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guardianships. Mm. Let's uh, let's start questioning them, people, because they are all of the rules around them are very loose and do not benefit the disabled person. Sorry. I did some research, mm. babe. Some more research. Ooh, woo! A bit busy. Jo- Joey's just been in bed for two weeks, like sick as a dog, just researching off her off her off tits. Off my brain on the yeah. good Sudafed you have to ask for at the chemist. Mm, the good stuff. Yeah, just tweeting, just going nuts. Um, now <laughs> I've, I put a little picky of a lady in mm. in our thingy. Do you know who that yeah. is? I do not. I was looking at it just before and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to jump like right into this because I know Joe's going to make me mm-hmm. look at it and see if I know who Can it you is. And I was like, her a little bit for me. So she's, um, you know, it's one of those olden day picks. So she's, you know, very Sarah plain and tall, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, she's got a little lace bonnet on and a little lace collar, mm-hmm. um, Hair in sort of like bows on either side. I do not. I do not know who this is. No. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Any guesses? I uh, know. I literally. <laughs> like, 
That's why I tried to like beat you to the punch and I've got absolutely nothing. I mean, you could trick me one time and like reverse image search it. Yeah, I know. I thought about doing that, but I was like, no, that's not good podcast content. (laughs) Yeah, I'll show you. (laughs) All right. So that's actually Florence Nightingale. Really? Again, this... This segment always baffles me because it's like we talk about people who oh, it's historically, we know the name. Sorry, it's historically fully sick, by the way. It's clearly historically yeah, fully sick, yeah. We- <laughs> it's the cool guess the picture game, which is very good, as seeing as that the podcast is an oral medium. Whee! Uh, no, it's um, historically fully sick, and Joe is making me guess who we are going to do on this episode, and it is Florence Nightingale, which, I, again, she's one of those people that I know her name, I know the sort of base level about her, and yet I've never in my life thought to look at a photo of her. And looking up shit about her is so interesting. Because she's been mm. raw dogged by history. <laughs> raw dogged by history. That is a great term. Thank you. <laughs> uh, our girl was born in 1820 and was an English social reformer, statistician, thank you, the fa- and the founder of modern nursing. She came to prominence mm-hmm. serving as a manager and trainer of nurses during the Crimean War, in which she organised care for wounded soldiers at Constantinople. She gave nursing mm-hmm. a favourable reputation and became an icon of Vic- Victorian culture, especially, you know, as lady with the lamp making rounds with the wounded soldiers at night. Absolutely. Yada, yada. Yep. Um, yep. Her social reforms, including improving health care for all sections of British society, advocating better hunger relief in India, helping to abolish prostitution laws that were harsh for women, and expanding Ooh. the acceptable forms of female participation in the workforce. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, see, I, I have always just known her as like the, the mother of modern nursing. Some sort of That's- angelic character, right? Yeah, it's like, you know, when they, whenever they do like a sort of flashback to a war in any movie and it's always like a lady nurse running around on the in the medic's tent just with a oil lamp being like, oh, no, we've just got to make him comfortable. We've just got to make him comfortable. Mm. That's I feel like that's that's Florence Nightingale in all situations. Oh, totally. Always. She was yeah. a, a prodigious and versatile writer. In her lifetime, much of her published work was concerned with spreading medical knowledge. Oh, I got a burp. Hang on. <clears throat> Oh. All right. Some of her tracks were written. Yummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just burping up that uh, that delicious yeah. uh, codeine cough yeah. syrup. <laughs> God, I feel like I can smell it through the computer. Jesus. Okay, continue. Um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm vaping directly into the There's microphone. You're burping there. directly into the Yeah. It's the only, oh, God, this is, what a mess of a I'm podcast. I'm sorry, anyway. Florence. Okay. Yeah. Most of, we are doing horrible things to Florence's legacy. <laughs> most of her stuff was written in really simple English so they could be easily understood by everyone. She was also a pioneer in data visualisation with the use of infographics, effectively using graphical Ooh. presentation of statistical data. A lot of people, um, actually, she was a really, like, full-on maths head and was one of the first yeah, yeah one of the first to apply mm. statistics to the study of public health and is credited with mm. inventing the pie chart wow i know i didn't know that mm. i'm glad she's that badass because like i look at numbers and my whole brain turns into pudding so you know just oh yeah uh, so she travelled extensively, including a trip up the Nile in the 1850s. Can you fucking imagine? Um, and rescued an mm. owl when... No, thanks. Yeah, no. Nah, that would have been sick. Rescued an owl when she was in Athens, which she kept in her pocket as a pet. In her... <gasps> yeah. In her youth, she was uh, respectful of her family's opposition to her working as a nurse, only announcing her decision to enter the field in 1844, despite the anger and distress of her mother and sister. Are you stoned laughing at the owl? I am. (laughs) I just, it came out of nowhere. I'm sorry. I I think the owl had a name. I can't remember what it was called. Just, I was expecting you to be talking about nursing and then you've turned around and talked about maths and her keeping an owl in the pocket and it's just, I shouldn't have, I should have stopped vaping. Well, look, (laughs) 
Hang on. I'll look up the Florence Nightingale's owl. Oh, my God. I hope I'm not oh coughing God. directly into the microphone. <laughs> Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> Athena. Oh. Ath- oh, my God. Athena. Yes, I yeah. know Athena. Yeah. The goddess of wisdom. Yeah. God. Oh. My God. Amazing. This, this is amazing. <laughs> Um, Love it. Thanks, thanks, Joe. Okay, yep, so continue. she worked hard to educate herself in the art and science of nursing in the face of opposition from her family and the restrictive social code for affluent young English women. She had heaps of guys after her too, but was like, nah, I got a career son, a choice she could probably make because mm. her family were quite wealthy. Um, yep. So in 1854, she received a letter from the Secretary of War asking her to organise a bunch of nurses to tend to the sick and fallen soldiers in the Crimea. Although they um, had been warned of the horrid conditions there, nothing could have prepared um, them for what they saw when they arrived at Scutari, the British base hospital in Constantinople. Okay, the hospital sat mm. on top of a large cesspool. Sounds cool. Oh. Which contaminated the... W- That's where you build a hospital. Oh, yeah. Which contaminated the water and the building itself. Patients lay in their own excrement on stretches strewn throughout the hallways. Rodents and bugs scurried past them. The most basic supplies such as bandages and soap grew increasingly scarce as the number of ill and wounded steadily increased. Even water needed to be rationed. More soldiers were dying from infectious diseases like typhoid and cholera than from injuries incurred in battle. So... Fucking hell. She got to work. She told heaps. She procured heaps, like hundreds of scrubbing brushes and asked mm. the least sick patients to scrub the inside of the hospital from floor to ceiling. I'd be like, girl. Holy shit. What? Yeah, I'm in hospital, girl. Like, whew. Um, I know everyone's got to pitch in, but damn. I've, I've got pneumonia. Why am I cleaning a toilet? Yeah. Um, Nightingale herself yeah. spent every waking minute caring for the soldiers. In the evening, she moved through the dark hallways carrying the lamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soldiers who comforted, endless supply of compassion, lady with the lamp, the angel of Crimea, etc. The important bit here mm-hmm. is that she reduced the hospital's death rate by two thirds. In addition to vastly improving... So they were just letting everyone lay in shit before that. Yes. And then she came along and was like, how's about some bleach? Yeah, how about we clean this shit? all of it. How about we clean a hospital? Yeah. That's a good idea. And then, yeah, all right, well... She improved the... Cleanliness standards. The sanitary conditions of the hospital. um, Instituted an invalid's kitchen where appealing food for patients with special dietary requirements was prepared. We love that. She established a laundry Mm. so that they'd have clean linen as well as a classroom and a library for intellectual stimulation and entertainment. Mm. Um, She was one of the first people to um, view sanitary standards as vital in caring for the ill and injured. So since the Mm. microbe was at that time unknown, people didn't really understand the importance of keeping wounds clean, for example, and little attempt was made at sterilisation or even washing hands prior to Nightingale. So we're all washing our hands at the moment because of Florence. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Florence Nightingale wants you to wash your hands properly, use hand sanitizer, wear a mask. That's what Florence Nightingale wants. And if you don't do it, Florence Nightingale is going to come with her lamp and haunt you. Yeah, she'll come and fuck you up. Oh, yeah, she will. And I hope she does if you don't wear a mask. So fucking wear a mask. But uh, so after she did all of that, she got really sick. Oh. Yeah. Well. You know, she did take quite a few risks with that, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so they reckon she had lingering effects of the Crimean fever that she contracted during the war. There was no cure and she suffered from the symptoms of the disease for the rest of her life. Um, mm. She had irritability, insomnia, nausea, weakness and fatigue. Um, oh, dear. Here we go. Yeah. There. Here it is. This is why we're, she's exactly. on this podcast. Uh, so it was reported in 1861 she suffered from a severe attack that left her unable to walk. She was unable to leave her home for six years. It caused wow. chest pains and headaches, and the pain combined with her solitary confinement contributed to bouts of depression, loneliness, and feelings of worthlessness. She used opium to cope with the worst of the symptoms. Yeah, girl. But there was only so much that could be done for the woman who had done so much to help others. Um, it was mm-hmm. put forth that she suffered from, oh, please help me pronounce this word, spondylitis. Sp- spondylitis. Yeah, 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 I did it. You had it, yeah. yeah. Your girl had spondylitis. 
a chronic yep. inflammatory spinal disease, which there was no cure. Uh, it caused back and joint pain, swelling, stiffness. Over time, the bones of the spine can fuse together and new ones can form, causing immobility. The onset of the disease most likely started when she was in her 40s and continued to worsen with age. With little effective treatment available for the condition, the pain often forced her to remain in bed for weeks at a time and, as I said earlier, up to six years. Although there are rumours that Nightingale took bromide to lessen her libido, uh, research shows she actually took it for her back pain so that's pretty weird oh i don't know what bromide is uh potassium bromide i think they use it to treat uh epilepsy i could be wrong oh they also reckon she suffered from untreated bipolar disorder throughout her life uh Mm -hmm. she suffered from well-documented bouts of depressive episodes in her teens and 20s and the divine calling she claimed to have received from god might also be explained if nightingale heard voices in her youth both of these symptoms mm. can be indicators of bipolar disorder. Uh, yeah. Her writings also indicate severe and chronic depressive episodes. She seemed to have felt suicidal levels of shame for doing anything that didn't in some way measure up to a divine level of importance and merit. Feel that. Oof, that, I think that's called imposter syndrome these yep. days. Her notes from the time Just... scribbled on bits of paper she had at hand are those of a young woman berating herself as a failure a broken vessel unable to satisfy the needs of her family of her divine calling useless to all and perhaps better off dead oh god huge mood huge mood in any case she continued get that tattooed on me to work up to 20 hours a day for much of the last 40 years of her life confining herself to her room with a wide range of ailments despite being isolated she established the first modern nursing um school and wrote more than 200 reports and books including the first nursing textbook um, she was also the superintendent for the gloriously named Institution for the Care of Sick Gentlewomen in Distressed Circumstances. Ooh. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I want to finish with a quote from her that, that says... I'm going to change our chat name Oh, to my that. God, I love it. Um, yeah. The world is put back by the death of everyone who has to sacrifice the development of his or her peculiar gifts to conventionality. Oh, I love that. Okay, I stand Florence Nightingale now. Yeah. And I just thought she was a, a nurse lady with a lamp and now it turns out she's my favourite person I in the know, world. I know, like many other, um, you know, women throughout history, she's gotten a raw deal and totally. was actually... In your words, raw dogged by exactly. history. Exactly. Was actually mm. a genius and not just like a, you know, motherly kind of virginal figure that she's depicted as being and also totally. a fucking spoonie. Yes, which is, it is bizarre because like so many of the Spoonies that we know in our group and that we've we've read stories by and that kind of thing have had their chronic illness brought on by other other things like Lyme disease, for example, and that that sort of thing. That, that's that's what was happening to them back then as well, you know. And they were just thought to be hysterical or you know just she was just depressed. It's bizarre seeing the parallels of that being such a long time ago and yet still today we hear so many similar stories. Well, Mark's coming up with a lot of his theories because he was sick and had to stay Mm. in the house and Darwin and all these people and me, like, writing all my fabulous tweets because I'm sick in bed. Yeah, that is your your communist manifesto. That's (sighs) what that is. Your Twitter. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, see, geniuses are... That's that's what happens. They get sick, they stay in bed, and then they come up with their greatest ideas, just like Joanna is with, is with her Twitter mm-hmm. account. So, mm-hmm. look, disabled people are, all ama- are amazing. We're all amazing. Oh, and I'd like to mention, saying. too, that old Florence had a bit of queer energy that I'm kind of picking up on. I reckon she definitely, yeah, I'm definitely picking up queer energy here as well. Mm. Like, definitely has sort of like a femme top vibe mm. going on going on in that oil painting photo. Do like, some further reading and um, give me some opinions on this because I'm, yeah. <laughs> I need to know more about to... Florence Nightingale's big queer energy. <laughs> I think she does have it. I think she does. Yeah. BQE. Yep. That's it right there. Yep. Yep. Okay, That's and on to our last segment for today. Yeah. Spoonie Hotline! Spoonie Hotline! Woo woo! Spoonie Hotline! Hotline! Good morning, chronically ill community. Um, my name is Anna, 
and I'm a researcher working on autoimmune disorders. <laughs> Probably for the first time in my life, it's been actually useful to be chronically sick um, for work. Just not something I ever thought I'd say, but there it is. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm trying to get my thoughts together. It's three in the morning because I have chronic fatigue and insomnia. Yeah, so, you know, mega combo. Um, yeah, basically, we usually work on genetic trends, um, looking at huge data sets and trying to find sort of um, patterns in genetic data. Um, and seeing if we can find underlying causes for different illnesses, that kind of stuff. But I'm pretty sure we all know that treatment or experiments and that is not the be-all and end-all, and really, especially if you live with this kind of stuff on a day-to-day basis. Um, I was really shocked with how little most researchers know about the lived experience of Spoonies. And when I say shock, I I mean, I got really fucking mad and started ranting at my boss about how shit this is. Um, And luckily for me, my boss is awesome. Um, And she got really mad as well. So this is how this project came to be. Um, But what is the project, I guess, would be a good start. Um, So how we're treated as a community by medical professionals sucks. There's a lot of demissive garbage by doctors, by family, by random people on the street yelling about yoga. Um, And I used to think that was just me and just having a really, really shit time and bad luck, which is on par with a lot of other things in my life. Um, But when I started finding these communities and this podcast, I realized it is definitely not just me. This is really common. And that we all basically live with these shitty experiences and are treated pretty crappy. Um, I really, really, really don't like that. But the reason why these people can do this shit is because it is very easy to dismiss a single person versus a large group of people. I mean, if 50 of us rocked up as a doctor's office every time one of us had an appointment, I'm pretty sure that would be... And like glare at them while they're trying to, you know, give medical advice. I think they'll be a lot more polite. But I can't do that. The next closest thing I can at least try and do is try and ratify our collective experiences, put them in the scientific literature, and then make doctors and researchers look at it and be like, this is real, this is a thing, this is something you should be paying attention to. Um... What is really important to get this into the scientific literature and as a record is how long it takes to get diagnoses, um, how often misdiagnosis happens, how often no diagnosis happens. And then the big part for me is also self-diagnosis and self-medication. The last two are important, like really important, because as I said, we usually work with genetic data um, you have your like standard DNA which is like your blueprint for everything in your body and then that gets turned into um, transcripts which is when your body goes alright I need that little tiny piece of your DNA to read and make this protein to like I don't know deal with your chip fingernail but th- this process means that depending on where you look in the body you find different transcripts otherwise if we copied everything in the DNA um, you know, you'd have fingernails growing in your eyeballs, that kind of thing. We don't, that doesn't happen because of that mechanism. But basically, not just where in your body the stuff happens, but also pretty much everything else you do um, can impact that transcription. Um, for example, self-medication. Now, if you're looking at this massive amounts of transcript data, trying to find patterns to... I either help with diagnosis or with medication. It's kind of important to know the really important, important, important. It's important to know the really um, key variables. So if you take other medication, we need to know. Otherwise, this picture makes no sense. Or even worse, researchers can draw the wrong conclusions. 
and that sucks because we already have enough crap to deal with. So we want to change that um, and for this reason we designed the survey um, which hopefully we can link in the comments um, and I put together a website with all of the information from ethics approval to I don't know, Twitter. <laughs> um, if you want more information. <laughs> Alright, and because this is a proper academic thing, I've got to do the spiel as well. So, my name is Dr. Annalisa Kachmar. I'm a postdoc in Dr. Sarah Belusa's lab group called Gene Networks and Disease, and we work at the Garvin Institute of Medical Research. Um, as I said, we have full ethics approval. Um, also, data will be declassified, so it'll be completely anonymous. Um, it'll be stored securely, and the it'll be declassified, so your name isn't linked to your answers. And the only people with that key is going to be myself and my boss's principal researchers. Um, and you can always revoke your consent or remove your answers from that. So. This is an Australia thing. Um, we also need control groups. So if you have friends, family that want to help, they, they can also totally do the survey and then we have some to compare you to, us to, which is great. Um, yeah. The more answers we get, the better, because we're trying to do some cool shit with statistics and building networks, which might actually be able to help with plugging in symptoms and then giving you like a cluster of um, diseases or trajectories. So the more people participate, the more likely it is we can actually get proper um, trends out of this. And that's important to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, please help us if you can or if you think this has merit. Um, I'd really, really appreciate it. Um, and this will be open access at the end of it as well, so if whatever you write up with, you can just download without this paywall crap, and then, you know, wave it at a specialist if they're being a dickhead. I don't know. That's what I plan on doing. <laughs> anyway, thank you very, very much for listening, and a huge thank you to um, Chloe and Joe for running this podcast, making me personally feel like I'm not alone in this bullshit, and, you know putting us up on here and letting us talk. And if you have any questions or comments or want to get in touch, um, all my information is on the project website. And, yeah, I everyone's well and I'd love to hear from you. We love science. We do love science. Thank you so much for, um, for laying that all out for us. Uh, was it Dr. Annalisa? Oh, I love yeah. that. That sounds so cute and sexy yes thank you so much for laying that all out for us and that definitely we will put it in the show notes so you all can look into uh the research and what is uh wanted for that uh, for that project so yeah thank you so much for um having a chat to us and letting us and know. including actual lived experience in scientific studies something that like yes. never happens never it's always the most ignored thing so yeah thank you so much that rules yeah well uh that was episode 19 uh sorry again as we said to you guys it was probably a little bit of a bummer but you know what we're all in lockdown at the moment the country is just bored as fuck so you know what deal, deal with, with it. it um <laughs> sunglasses fall from the mm. sky um, so yeah, what we would like to chat about next episode is actually marriage equality for people with disability. Mm. So yeah, if you have been through the experience where uh, you've gotten married or entered into a de facto relationship uh, or moved in with someone and then you've ended up losing some kind of government payout or, or something like that, then we would love to hear about that experience because we think that that is something that is just really not spoken about enough. Um, so yeah, if you've been through something like that, please uh, send us a spoony hotline. <clears throat> I just burped into the microphone. It's nowhere near as big as yours. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so send us a Spoonie hotline. Um, you can email a voice memo to us at chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com. Or if you uh, would like to send us a message in some other way or some other form, we are more than happy to help you out and make it as accessible as possible. So please reach out to us in whatever platform or email you see fit. So Just don't ask me how an Android phone works because I have no idea. Yeah, me neither, to be honest. I actually used to work for Apple and I still to this day cannot figure out how any Android phone mm. works. Like, <laughs> like fully like Scooby-Doo being like, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> raggy. Yeah, fully. Um, yeah, so we're happy to help unless it's on an Android phone. In that case, you're, you're we don't on know your what own. to do. You're on your own. And that's not an access issue. That's just... We suck issue. Bill Gates issues. <laughs> no, that's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, bye, everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I hate editing this thing. I hate us. God, I hate us so much. <laughs> okay, we'll be back at some point. Everyone. Yeah, we'll be back at some point. Yeah, no, this is the end. So I'm <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing it anymore. I've got to go outside and cough really loud. I know. Same. I need a cigarette and then to cough violently. God. Okay. Bye. Bye, Joanna. Bye. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. Sunlights up the daytime. Moonlights up the night. I light up when you call my name. Cause I know you're gonna treat me. Oh